2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers, all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com. All right, all right, all right. Uh, let's get fired up here. Maximum freedom. Read. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Actual Anarchy Podcast, the podcast where we talk about movies from a Rothbardian anarcho-capitalist perspective. Tonight is a special night because we've both had diarrhea since Easter's. That's right, it's Nacho Libre on the Actual Anarchy Podcast. And the show notes and more can be found at actualanarchy.com slash 75. I've got some notes, super notes. Uh, watched this the other night with the wife. Wife's a big fan of the Nacho, so we'll see. She also likes this ridiculous YouTube video. It's like this uh, little tortilla chip and another tortilla chip, and the punchline is that he's Nacho friend, and I think he stabs the other one. I forget. Um, let me try to find it on the, the YouTubery here. It's kind of weird, and if we reference it on the show, I will. I'll be sure... <laughs> I'll be sure to mention it and then put it on the uh, show notes page. Oh, yeah, it's called Two Chips, uh, Drunk Wife's Joke Animated. And let's see, Two Chips Animation. All right, it's a minute and 44 seconds. Let's see if you can hear it. Okay, there are two corn chips, and they are friends. They were in school together. Yo, yo, yo. And they were playing on the playground together. And one chip thought the other chip was being unfair. And he told them, I don't think you are being fair. I'm your friend. Why aren't you being fair? And the other chip was like, I don't think you know me. And the other chip was like, come on. Let's just talk about it. And then the other chip is like, no, I'm not your friend. <laughs> no, I'm not your friend. Right, we're doing Nacho Libre, which is a, uh, well, kind of a terrible movie, but also kind of a brilliant movie. And 
Uh, not sure if there's so much to glean from it, but it will be an interesting conversation between me and my friend Robert. So let's introduce Robert. Robert Johnson, how you doing, my friend? So how you doing, my friend Robert? The hell is all that? That was a short YouTube video called Two Chips, a short animation, and it is a drunk woman telling her husband a joke, and it's uh, yeah. kind of funny and dumb at the same time. Much like this movie that we're going to talk about tonight. Spoiler alert. Spoils. You know, every everything we do is spoiled. So that's oh, good. really? Yeah, man. Yeah. So I already did a little bit of an intro, so we can just, you know, say, how you doing, my friend Robert? Oh, I'm pretty good. How you, Danny? I'm uh, pretty good. I'm pretty good. We had a little bit of pre-show uh, without you, but now you're here and you're, well, I guess we'll get used to it. <laughs> Who's we? You know, the audience. Me. Are you cheating on me with another uh, co-host? You know, maybe. Idea. Maybe. I mean, we did have Nick Pacone and Stephen Clyde on for the State of the Libertarian Union talk show, and that went pretty well. And, you know, they, they're co-hostly types. Indeed. And I, I found yeah. that to be an interesting and fun conversation, even though uh, our new friend Nick, he went, he went there, man. He went a little bit far for me. <laughs> did you disagree with something he said? Yeah, 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 I think so. That makes him a bad person. Doesn't that make him literally Hitler? Well, I mean, I still like the guy, but... What? Are you trying he, to turn in your Antifa card? Yeah, I'm not going to go punching him or anything like that, but, you know, some of his... He, he, at least he has reasoning behind it. I don't agree with it, but... Okay. No, yeah, I think he definitely does. Uh, and he qualified everything he said with, you know, this is just for me. I mean, nothing a libertarian ever says he's ever going to violently impose on anybody else, so they can say whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> All kinds of crazy shit doesn't matter. That's right, and that's the whole premise of our show is uh, two guys saying crazy shit about movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're talking about the Libertarian Union, State of the Libertarian Union talk show that we do once a month with fellow members of the Libertarian Union, and there's over a dozen now. And you can find out more about that at libertarianunion.com, but there is talk about moving from a monthly last Sunday of the month to a weekly show and the idea here is that we have enough people to where if only three or four or five people uh, can make it that particular week it's enough people to keep the conversation going and then there's a bit of a rotation that can happen because like i said we've got over a dozen people dozen shows actually and, and a few of them have multiple people so that's sort of uh, the concept um get additional content out there cross promote and and just get interesting conversations going on our newest members uh joined us on the most recent episode uh of the uh state of the libertarian union talk show it's episode five and that is um the april show we had nick picone of sounds like liberty and he talks about music um from not necessarily like a libertarian perspective but he is a libertarian and he interviews libertarians about what kind of music they're into and so it's sort of like a break from the you know facebook debates and fights and the being ostracized by people in in your life because uh, they think you're crazy for believing in voluntary interactions i know crazy right uh, and the other person is stephen clyde and he runs the peace and liberty podcast you can find that at forpeaceandliberty.com and he's been a madman he has done episodes Monday through Friday for the past, uh, I want to say five weeks. He launched in March and I was his second guest. So episode two is me. And then he also recently uh, posted a conversation we had with Kirk DeSoto, a writer for our site. And he's also running a forum for Bitcoin or about cryptocurrency called Cryptorum. And that's at cryptorum.com. And he, um, he and 
Stephen and I had a conversation about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general. We have that posted at actualanarchy.com slash crypto 102 because uh, it was our second conversation about that. Stephen did a 101, which was more of a hist- history of where crypto came from, how it originated, uh, the Satoshi paper, the white paper, uh, the, the encoded message in there about bank bailouts, and just an overview of how crypto works, how mining works, how blockchain works, and all of that. So you can find that at actualanarchy.com slash crypto 101. And then if you look at Stephen's recent episode listings at forpeaceandliberty.com, you will find uh, both of those things, including the the uh, State of Libertarian Union talk show. So uh, technically, I've been on his show now, I think, three times. Um, but the uh, the interview with him uh, or him with me interviewing me is, uh, is pretty good. And that's episode number two. So good stuff. Good stuff all around. So what else is going on? Has it turned spring over there yet? I know the last couple of times we've had conversations, it's been cold and blustery. Nah, spring spring the fuck out, yo. It's uh, fucking 80 degrees. When I tell that bitch, please. Um, yeah, uh, it's kind of schizophrenic, a little bit schizo. Uh, one day it'll be shorts and t-shirts. And by shorts and t-shirts, I mean underwear and wife beater. Or it'll be kind of chilly and, you know, pants, maybe a little light jacket down in like the 50s. But lately, uh, yeah, the past like two, three days, it's been uh, toasty, toasty hot, 80 degrees. All right. So I got to talk. I got to ask you this. Is there an, uh, an actual definitional type name for what is commonly referred to as the wife beater? Because that seems like something that would upset people that that's a term being used for an article of clothing, yet I can't think of what the correct or proper term is. You think that that would upset somebody? I don't, I don't follow. <laughs> you mean that there's this, a group of people out there that get upset over the slightest thing about words? when they Yeah, in... about the words. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> I've never heard of this. You can enlighten me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, um, is there a real well, name? It's a sleeveless. It's a sleeveless. I don't know what you call it, right? It's You know what I'm talking about, what it looks like. I, what would you call it? It's probably got a word. There's probably a name for it, but I don't know. The colloquial term is wife beater, and everybody knows what I'm talking about. And <laughs> perfectly fine word. Gat has negative connotations, but all kinds of words have negative connotations to them if you really want to take it that way. It's all about context. But I know, I know there's a group of people out there who don't care about context, and all they care about is somebody said a word that triggered them and it's all about their feels and so you're an evil literally hitler human being if you say it i understand and there are even some people who will bow to the bullies and apologize for saying perfectly normal words making them think that they're a terrible human being for saying words that they've heard all their life it's fucking stupid you know you just made me realize something that uh, these are also the same type of people who in Facebook debates will accuse you of gaslighting. And is gaslighting the term used for making somebody feel as though they are a crazy person for believing what they believe and so that they question their own sanity? Yeah, there there is a real phenomenon where a person will mentally dominate a person and make them think that they're terrible and worthless and a sack of shit or make them actually think that they are crazy. There is a psychological phenomenon but as with everything the crazy left does, they will take a word and change the definition or completely make it mean almost anything so that the word essentially becomes useless and meaningless. 
So right, yeah, that but, it's, but it's also a bit of projection because isn't that precisely what they're doing when they're complaining about words? They make you feel crazy? Yeah, they say you're a crazy person, you're an evil person, you're a Nazi for saying words, certain words. So by their own definition, their own loosely held definition of gaslighting, are they not doing that? Even though it's not technically gaslighting because that's a psychological phenomenon that is probably more like, I don't know, Stockholm Syndrome or something like that, where there's like this uh, intense emotional um, uh, tr- transfer of, you know, I'm not sure how to say this right. Uh, transference, I think, is kind of the thing where like there's... Um, people interacting in a very emotional charged situation and then it, it alters them in a way. And so they're taking that, like they're appropriating that and they're, um, what's another thing that they get upset about? Uh, saying um, saying the word like, oh, that's crazy, like in Nacho, that's crazy. Uh, they'll say that is upsetting to actual crazy people and it's delegitimizing or de, um, what's the right word I'm looking for? It's it's overusing the term where it's not respecting the term properly. It's, that's exactly what they're doing when they say shit like gaslighting, even though they are doing the gaslighting. Am I making any sense? I'm trying to describe it's almost, nonsense. It's almost as if you're describing some people on the Internet who are, bear with me now, hypocritical? Almost. Which I don't believe that anybody's ever a hypocrite, and you'd never find anyone on the Internet that's hypocritical. But, yeah, I, I think I know what you're meaning. Um, you're making a little bit of sense here. It's... Um, it's like the shit they complain about, they're actively doing, and yeah. yet they don't seem to realize it. Oh, sure. Absolutely. 100%. And they blame you uh, for doing it. I don't know. It's just weird. It's just weird. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you're not dealing with a principled person, or even, you know, it's the outrage of the weak type of person who's just outraged. They're not they're really necessarily thinking clearly. They're not thinking in terms of principle and applying a principle and going, oh, maybe I'm violating that exact principle I'm whining about right now. So, yeah, consistency is not their thing unless consistently being inconsistent is a thing. Then it's like they're. I was just watching this video um, where they're talking about insoles. You're familiar with these insoles? No, are they like udals? I don't know what udals are, but insoles are the involuntary celibates. There's a. There used to be a Reddit posting, you know, group. What are they called? Subreddits. But then they were banned, and so now they're you know relegated to other corners of the internet. And um, they're essentially a, a bunch of people that, you know, are celibate and don't want to be, right? They want girlfriends. They want to have sex with women. But through whatever reason why, lack of social skills, lack of personality, lack of attractiveness, whatever reason, they're unable to. And they're essentially complaining that, yeah, hey, I want to have this group where we can get together and kind of console each other, you know, talk about our problems and why we're not able to have sex and how we'd like to and whatever. And then, you know, one of their group members, uh, well, kills somebody, the, the van guy up in Toronto who ran into a bunch of people, killed a bunch of men and women. Apparently he was one of these insult people. And so then there's a bunch of reactionary posts from the left. So I'm just going to use this blanket term, but you know what I mean. Salon, Huffington Post, you know what I'm talking about. I think that's what you're putting down. Where at least one of them said, um, you know, the the insoles were talking about how, well, maybe, you know, we'll get these, like, sex robots. You know, maybe that'll help us out. At least we'll be having sex with somebody. Sex robot. Sex robot. (laughs) And then the the people 
in the articles on these the lefty articles are saying, man, I would deny you. I'm going to make a robot that wouldn't even have sex with you. What kind of cruel horrificness is this? Dude, I've got the perfect that, meme. I got the perfect meme to send back to them. <laughs> what? The, the exact thing that they are upset and sad about, and we're gonna, they're going to say, yeah, screw you guys. We hate you ugly people so much, we don't even want you to have sex with robots. That's just going to make them more sad. Uh, what? How is this in any form of the compassionate, caring left? You know what I mean? It seems like they're just a bunch of hateful, bigoted assholes. You, you, you reading me on this one, Chief? Oh, I'm totally reading you on this one. And, and the meme that I, I have in mind is um, there's a picture of Hitler with Eva Braun. I think that was his girlfriend. And mm-hmm. it's captioned, um, even Hitler is more likable than you. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Uh, so the, the insoles, um, that reminds me of uh, recent years, uh, people going on subways and um, being like anti-body shaming. So there'll be, you know, out of shape and, and large and in charge and scantily clad on a subway and they'll have like written on them like big is beautiful or whatever. And I think I saw a caption of one of these where um, somebody was dressed like that and then they actually had a sign up that said, uh, no one wants to have sex with me. That is wrong or you're, you're a misogynist or whatever. And it was, it was almost like saying that you're a rapist for not wanting to have sex with them. Something weird like that. Yeah, I remember what you're talking about. It was essentially accusing you of like sexist discrimination or something like that for not wanting to have sex with this person. This is around the time when people are saying, man, I wouldn't even rape you, that kind of stuff. And people were getting upset about people saying that they wouldn't rape people, which is kind of funny. I mean, I think there was some politician who was saying, look at these people who are threatening physical violence with me, against me. No, they were saying that they wouldn't rape you. That's the exact opposite. But yeah, yeah, these people would dress up on subways and either be naked or almost naked and yeah, complaining that, yeah, this is beautiful and how dare you not want to have sex with this. Right, and, and, and there, the left there's, there's the thing, supporting there's that. Also, yeah, there's also, um, there's also a video of a, of a tranny on YouTube. There's like a famous tranny. I, I don't know the person's name. Oh, yeah, but I remember were, this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were saying like, if you don't want to have sex with a tranny, you are transphobic. and You are some kind of a sexist, bigoted, misogynist, whatever. It's like, no, people have preferences. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's just the looniness. The looniness. Yeah. But, I mean, that's another prime example, right? Like, the left would be supportive of those people and their claims, yet the insoles, they're dogging on because one, one individual person who happens to be in a group like that did a violent and shitty thing. Yeah, and every group has a violent and shitty person. I mean, plumbers, doctors, lawyers, think of anybody. You I mean, you think of all the, the um, Uber driver does X, you know, those headlines. You used to oh see my those every Yeah. Oh. And it's like, there was re- he happens to be an Uber driver. He also yeah. happens to be a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. So let's just throw out all the plumbers because one plumber did one thing one time. Clearly, there's a problem with the plumbers. Yeah, it's, it's really dumb. They just want to play identity politics with every single possible group that you could ever possibly belong to and say that that's the cause or whatever. It's real dumb. Yeah, so that's a good lead-in to talking about this movie, and this is the 75th uh, show of the Actual Anarchy podcast. You can find the show notes more at actualanarchy.com slash 75. And if you like the banter that we've had in this uh, early part of the show, we do this all the time in our pre-show, and I think I'm going to leave it into this one. So head on over to the Patreon and you can get the access to that. So 
actualarnicky.com slash Patreon to get more of this. But whenever you're ready, Robert, we will get into the normie-friendly version of the show called The Last Nighters. And for The Last Nighters, this will be episode 18. Let's do it, Daniel. All right, she's legal. We're getting into the Last Nighters portion of the show. Lastnighters.com slash 18. Hey everyone, it's Daniel and Robert of The Last Nighters, lastnighters.com. Tonight we're going to talk about the movie Nacho Libre in honor of Cinco de Mayo and full of cultural appropriation. So it's going to be Nacho Libre, episode 18, lastnighters.com slash 18. Uh, how you doing, Robert? And then we'll get into the Google Descriptione. Oh man, I'm all full of uh, Cinco de Mayo juice. So yeah, I've got my uh, tequilas and my limes and my coconuts. And I'm drinking it all up. I'm feeling good. Let's do this. All right, let it let us do this. Let's go. Nacho Libre 2006 comedy drama slash sport. One hour, 32 minutes. 5.7 on IMDb, 40% Rotten Tomatoes, and 3 out of 5 on the Common Sense Media. So the critics do not like this movie. Uh, but 93% of Google users like it. So that that's an interesting stat. I think this has a bit of a cult status to it. But here's the description. Ignacio, played by Jack Black, or Nacho to his friends, works as a cook in the Mexican monastery where he grew up. The monastery is home to a host of orphans whom Nacho cares for deeply, but there's not much money to feed them properly. Nacho decides to raise money for the children by moonlighting as a lucha libre wrestler with his partner, Esqueleto, by, played by Hector Jimenez. Uh, but since the church forbids lucha, Nacho must disguise his identity. Came out in June of 2006, directed by Jared Hess, and this was the person who also did a, uh, a Napoleon Dynamite, I believe. The budget was $25 million U.S. dollars, and the box office, $99.3 million U.S. dollars. So it did fairly well at the box office. Uh, what are your comments regarding that so far, Robert? Well, it seems this is a running theme with the movies we talk about, that the Google users are almost unanimously a lot higher than the, the rest of the actual critics and whatnots. Um, I, I'm wondering what the bar is for a Google yes or no. Is it like, did you kind of like this at all? Then click yes. I don't know, but it's, it seems like, yeah, I kind of have fond memories of this. Yeah, sure. But yeah, uh, this is a, if this is a movie that was done by the um, Napoleon Dynamite guy, it certainly feels that way. He's got a certain style and tone to his movies, or at least between this and uh, Napoleon Dynamite. I don't know if I've seen anything else that he's done. But yeah, this is very much in the same vein, um, although I'd say this is the inferior of the two. But we can get into that. Blaspheme. Blaspheme. <laughs> You know, my wife and I, we watched this the other night in preparation for the show, and she said, you know, as dumb as this movie is, and it is, uh, it's in her top ten. Wow. Wow. Is it okay if I'm judging her internally right now? Oh, yeah, do it, man. Do it. Okay. But I think there's there's a lot going on here. Uh, you know, there? there's the cultural appropriation. There's the science versus religion. There's a guy who's following his dream from childhood, trying to do right by people that he cares about and uh, working very hard, though he's not, you know, in the best shape. But he does, once he decides he wants to do this, he does train and he does try different things to become more effective at what he's doing. So I, I see this... Um, you know, scrapper trying to lift himself up in the world, changing his position because he's unhappy with the drudgery of his day-to-day, -day, uh, being the cook in the uh, in the orphanage with very little to offer uh, for the kids. They can't even afford a salad, right? That's, that, that is true. Um, 
But I have issues with this movie's the motivation of these characters. Absolutely, 100% issues. Um, I thought that it certainly seemed to me that Jack Black's motivation in this movie was in the um, the nun lady. She, I think, she nails him. He absolutely gets it right. That this guy is a guy who dreams of fame and glory, and the fact that. He is able to buy some vegetables and some fruits and whatnot for the kids is kind of secondary to his motivation. And that was one of the main problems I have with this movie. Uh, it seemed to be meandering, and it seemed to be that you know his motivation kind of vacillated from wanting to win and having the fame and the glory to then, oh, yeah, I guess I'll do some nice things for these kids too, I suppose. Um, there's a movie, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, it's called the uh, the Blues Brothers. And it's very similar in the sense that it's um, these group of people that are doing some things for an orphanage. But in the Blues Brothers, you got Jake and Elwood who are on a mission from Gat. They have to make a certain amount of money in order to save this orphanage from being like foreclosed and like lost and shut down. Whereas in Nacho Libre, you got Jack Black, you know, he's, he's getting better food for the kids, and I'm sure everybody appreciates it. But nobody, there's never, the audience is never told, hey, these kids really need better food. They're malnourished, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's even like little fat kids. At no point, and then even at the end, he's like, well, I'm going to go and win this big match, and then eh, I'm going to buy the kids a bus. Nobody was screaming, well, man, we really need this bus. We need a bus. I mean, sure, it's a nice thing. Sure, they're going to go on, like, field trips, and it's going to be nice. But there was never a time when it's like, oh, man, these kids, they need this bus or else. It seemed to be, oh, well, he's just kind of, like, wanting to do some nice things for some people, which is nice. But for me, it was never enough of a hook for, like, a real motivation to really drive this movie. And so I just sat through this movie not really caring about anything. What happened? Eh, is he going to do it? Yeah, I'm sure he is. Does it matter? Eh, kind of. I mean, this will be a little bit nice. Sure. <laughs> but it's not like dire consequences. And I get it. It's a comedy. But even Blues Brothers had uh, way better motivation than uh, Nacho Libre. All right. So you're basically saying that you liked this movie better the first time when it was called The Blues Brothers. Uh, I liked it better when it was done better and called The Blues Brothers. I thought that this was like an inferior knockoff of The Blues it, This movie felt to me... Like the writer and the director or whatever, I don't know, the creative team, whoever started this idea. But they had this idea of wouldn't it be funny if, like they listened to some Tenacious D song, and they're like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if Jack Black was like a luchador? Yeah, that would be funny. And then they're like, oh, well, what should happen? And then they kind of tried to maybe sort of like milk it and turn it into a movie. It felt very much like a Saturday Night Live movie. And we've like Super Troopers and other kind of sketch movies. Like we have this idea of Jack Black in these tights, and he's funny, and he does, and he says, and he acts funny. I mean, we're talking about Jack Black here. We're talking about a very charismatic, charming actor who can make you like him just from him being on screen for like 30 seconds. And then you give me nothing beyond that. And, and he, 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 you rely on him well, I, like a wait, wait, crush. Wait, wait, wait. Other than diarrhea since Easter's. You got that. Yeah. Did you laugh in this movie? Oh, gosh. I chuckled. I, I smiled once. When um, Jack Black was taking the nurse or the, the the nun out on the date, and he was like flexing his butt cheeks, uh, I, I cracked a smile. 
What about the, that, uh, the toast? Hey, the toast. would you like to Maybe join me toast. in my quarters for some toast? <laughs> and then they're just eating toast in this room, like crunching loudly. They can't even hear each other. <laughs> they can't even talk because the toast is so loud. Oh, that reminds me. The one good thing about this movie, besides the style and the charm, the, the directing and the whatevers and the music, was the sound effects. Sound effects and the music and the style and the setting and the feel, the tone, was all very, very well done. I just wish that the story actually had some meat on it. That's what yeah. I mean. And let's, I wish it had been funny. Let's go down that path a little bit, and we'll get back to the funny. The, right. You're right. I think that the, the sound and the, just the style, the sense of style, the cinematography, the imagery, and how they staged everything and, and shot it was beautiful and quirky. And it, it has a lot of visual interest, and I think they did a very good job uh, with all of that. So it was um, an impressive effort. I, I, I felt through watching it that they were doing nods to other famous scenes or other famous movies with how they were doing some of their camera moves. And I couldn't name any of them, but I was like, oh, I've seen that before. I think that's why they're doing that right there. Hmm. I, I didn't pick up on that at all, but that's cool. But anyway, uh, so yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a very uh, distinct style for sure. But it's also, I think, a dated style, like mid-2000s. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that director has done much stuff after that, but it felt, now that you mention it, I mean, I didn't think this at the time, but now that you mention it, there's the Napoleon Dynamite guy. It very much felt like the Napoleon Dynamite guy. But I haven't seen anything of his since, and I don't think his, his style has been copied by anybody else, really. I don't even know if you could do it. It almost kind of feels like a, um, oh, what's a stupid name? I don't mean stupid name. He's a good, good director. He's the guy that did The Life Aquatic with Steve Zoo. And the Royal Tannenbaums, and all those movies. Wes Anderson. That's the guy. But he he has a very kind of unique, quirky style, and this guy has a unique, quirky style too. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. Yeah, they, it it is similar to to Wes Anderson, but um, a little bit more on the indie tip, I guess you could say. And I think that's yeah. partly due to the like the soundtrack. You know, it felt very indie. I'm so indie. He's so indie. <laughs> sure, sure. No, it felt very much like a very low-budget movie. Other than, it didn't look like a low-budget movie, other than the fact that there were no special effects or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I just wanted the story to make some sense, I guess. <laughs> there were a couple of times, I mean, didn't you, the training montage, didn't that bother you at all? Or did you just, like, laugh and thought it was hilarious? But they were like, Jack Black was, like, attacking a skeleto and, like, throwing bees at him and, like... Yeah, he's trying I mean, to toughen him up. He doesn't seem to be training at all. He's wiping shit on his face and uh, shooting an arrow at him. Yeah, <laughs> like he's, a, like you know, he's a, being an asshole to him. A blunt-tipped arrow. But yeah, he's, he's like training him to be tough and, and take punishment. You know, it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, the Rocky montage in Rocky Four, I want to say, with Drago. I must break you. If he dies, he dies. You know that whole thing? I remember that movie well. But you're, that, that you, you check my, okay, so... You're talking about with Drago training, not with Rocky training? No, with, with Rocky training. You know, he's, he goes up into the mountains and he's like chopping wood and dragging stumps around and doing all this crazy stuff. Drago was doing the very high-tech stuff. Like he would right. punch the bag and would say, 900 pounds of force. Right. So you're talking about the Rocky version of him training out in the wilderness with whatever they have at hand. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Although I would question the efficacy of this training method. Well... You know, sucking down the uh, the yoke of the eagle is probably more effective. <laughs> Can we talk about that for a minute? Let's go there. Okay, so you've got this character, Escalito, 
who claims the whole movie that he only believes in science, whereas Jack Black is, you know, a man of God and he feels like he's worried about his immortal soul and whatever. At one point, he even like forcibly, what is it called, baptizes the guy? Yeah, he baptized rapes Esqueleto. Yeah, he baptized rapes the guy. <laughs> anyway, so Esqueleto, he says, oh yeah, so you need to be, you know, the best fighter in the world or whatever. And Jack Black's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, I can help you out because I know this guy and he can help us find magic eagle eggs. So the guy that only believes in science also believes in magic eagle eggs. And I'm fine with characters being quirky and inconsistent and weird. Okay, this is a weird, quirky, inconsistent movie. But it seems like you could have, there was a missed opportunity there for at least Jack Black to go, wait a minute, you only believe in science, but you're telling me to eat magic eagle eggs to give me eagle powers? How is that science at all? Did that bother you at all? Because that stuck out to me. You know, I think that uh, it didn't really stand out to me because I was just considering anything not faith-based to be sciencey for him. So like the magic... <laughs> These giant eagle eggs had some the kind of magic. super nutrients for his nucleus. <laughs> and, then, and then they're praying in the ring to grant him his eagle power. <laughs> okay, that's scientific. <laughs> well, you know, consistent they are not. Uh, so I it, agree. There's like three poles here, right? There's, there's science, there's mysticism and magic, and then there's the, the faith, right? Okay. And, and there's very little like training and skill other than the, the random, you know, slapstick comedic effect kind of training that they did in the, uh, in the montage, the musical montage. Mm, yes. Agreed. Agreed. Now, I do want to say, because I've been just mostly crapping on this movie, and that's essentially the only thing I'm going to do this whole episode. But there was one really good scene. And I don't know if this was the standout scene to you, because apparently you like this turd fest. But there is the, I think, believe it's the second wrestling match, where they wrestle these little Wolverine little devil, The little devils. <laughs> and these little guys do some of the coolest wrestling moves that I've ever seen. I'm sure, I mean, I don't watch wrestling, so I'm sure these moves are, like, normal for people that watch it. But it was so cool to have these little guys, like, just beat the crap out of Jack and Esqueleto in these cool kind of flippy and flying moves and stuff like that. I thought that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. I thought, I thought that the matches were, were pretty fun. I mean, they weren't, like, realistic looking, but they made them interesting and, and made them acrobatic. And I, I also yeah. enjoyed during the Battle Royal at the end that they did the little like stat type um, overshots of the combatants, you know, like their name, yeah. like El Snowflake. <laughs> and, the, and the move they did. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was cute. And like El that Chino and shit like that. Oh, yeah. Well, I thought, I thought the movie um, made a misstep because I was so disappointed in the villain. I thought the villain, he looked cool, but he wasn't like a villain. Like they, the movie gave me like almost zero reason to hate the guy. Ramses? Yeah. Oh, he's he, just kind of a jerk. Yeah, he's a big jerk, and uh, he doesn't care about the orphans, and he assaults Jack. Well, I want to be careful there. We could talk about this. He yeah, pushes could, Jack back in response to Jack or Nacho, you know, like grabbing his shoulder. Mm-hmm. He sure does. Yeah, I, I see. I didn't, I didn't see that as the big, violent, horrific assault. I thought that, you know, Jack was bothering him. Jack grabbed his shoulder and, you know, basically turned him around and and, and I kind of squeeze. I mean, he probably overreacted, but, you know, this is like a, a dude that wears his mask in public. <laughs> it's kind of like live up to this persona that he's created or whatever. But I thought that the, uh, the little uh, Wolverine guys would have been a way better uh, final fight 
It would have been super cool. But I understand they want to like make some sort of a villain, but I thought the movie just did no nothing with trying to make the antagonist like a big strong antagonist. Yeah, I think Silencio might have been a better like final boss because uh, I mean he was beating up on that kid, right? And then Esqueleto drove over his foot. Well, the kid was trying to steal from him, wasn't he? I think it looked like he was trying to steal some food or something. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of stealing in this movie. Uh, I don't remember. Mostly done by Jack Black. Yeah, yeah, even when he was a kid, right? In the very opening montage, he's like doing the magician swipe of all those items and, you know, knocking stuff down. And he makes his little costume for himself. And then he does it again when he decides he wants to be a wrestler. And uh, then when they need to get party clothes for the we're about to go pro, um, you know, party festivities. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. constantly stealing. And, uh, yeah, the whole movie. Yeah, and, and, and early on he gets mugged for the chips by Esqueleto. And they get in this, right. like, alley fight. He goes, but those are the Lord's chips. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, well, as long as you're not stealing from the Lord, I guess it's okay. He's got some weird uh, philosophy that's guiding his life here. I wasn't on board. I mean, I understand he's got, you know, zero to no money or whatever, but it didn't seem like anything was preventing him from getting, like, a job. If he wanted these things, yeah. Well, I he's think got they established they established that he was kind of an idiot. You know, he goes to uh, they they don't give him churchly duties very often. But then, because Encarnacion has shown up, they send him away so that the other um, monastery dude can like mac on her. And so they send Nacho to the the guy with the flu, the old man with the flu, and he arrives there and he thinks he has to give the last rites. Yes. And so I think that was just establishing how stupid Nacho is and how kind of worthless or how little skill he has to offer. So, so are you excusing his theft? Oh, no, no, not at all. Not at all. What I'm saying is that he, he couldn't, he had very limited opportunities with his skill set to go out and, and make money. So then he leaned on his childhood dream when he saw that poster, like he can win 200 pesos uh, for wrestling. And then when he does wrestle and he loses and still gets paid, he realizes that everyone gets a cut. Yes. Uh, so, you know, he, he finds this like venue with which he can utilize some level of skill. I mean, if he's just going in there to be entertaining and get beat up, uh, but he's still getting paid for it. And that's pretty much his only skill. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of uh, that episode of The Simpsons where Homer just takes punishment because he just it doesn't hurt when he gets punched in the head because he's got no brain. And he just stands there until the other boxer gets tired, and then he barely touches him, and then the boxer falls over because he's so exhausted. Pretty much. Yeah. Except Jack yeah, Black doesn't win at all until the very, very end. Yeah, but you know, he says, I've got cooking duty, dead guy duty. It's time for me to get a new duty. And that's a little bit entrepreneurial, right? That's changing, that's taking his present situation and saying, you know, I don't like this. I want to make efforts to change it. Well, I do have some. I mean, you're talking about somebody who, yeah who, and this is the source of a lot of stories, but a lot of better stories, where the character is downtrodden, is low, is, you know, dirt, whatever, and is seeking and looking for ways to build them back up and have a better life and dreams of a better life. That's perfectly fine and well and good. But the method this character uses to get that and then his overall goal, I mean, you got to admit, his motivation was one of his this childhood dream of just having the crowd cheering for him and winning and being like this big wrestler guy. It wasn't any more noble than that. Now, in my worldview, that is fairly noble. I mean, it's perfectly noble. You're you're improving your own life and you're working hard to get there and to do it. That's perfectly fine. And you're but satisfying a, other people's desire to be entertained, so they're better off. Yeah, it's a good correct. thing. It is. But in terms of this movie and the motivation of the characters, eh, it was a big meh for me. It was just like, give me, give me something more. It just, it just, it didn't do it for me, man. 
Yeah, well, I mean, he, he, I think they established that he felt very disrespected and he wanted something better for himself, but he also wanted to help the children more because they only had like beans and, and couldn't afford salad like we were talking about earlier. So I think you're right. He was looking for a taste of the glory just to see what it tastes like. Um, but he also had a bit of a, you know, he was going to use that to benefit others uh, in addition to the, you know, providing a, a service to, to people who are willing to pay and, and be, earn a profit, right? So I don't know. I, I, I didn't begrudge him for wanting to, to get respect and, and take that risk and change his position in life kind of follow his dreams a little bit. I'm, I'm almost hearkening back to um, when we talked about the founder uh, last fall. Almost. Yeah, except Ray Kroc wasn't stealing from everybody to make his dream come true. And you could argue that he kind of stole McDonald's from the McDonald's brothers. Hey, yeah, splitting hairs. Yeah, he just needs to borrow some sweats. <laughs> yeah, th- he never pays the kid back. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I... You know, it's, it's it's fairly well done, but I think ultimately this movie comes down to whether or not it, you found it funny, and it sounds like you did find it funny, and I did not find it funny, and maybe I didn't find it funny because I just didn't care about what was happening. But normally I like Jack Black movies. I, I like him as a character. I like him as a you know, his acting skills. Um, he puts a lot into each role. He doesn't necessarily you know phone it in. Right, but he does um, put a lot of the same into his roles. Like there was many times oh, yeah. was like that's just Jack Black being Jack Black. Like I, I oh, feel like yeah. I'm listening to Tenacious D when he's like doing the Uncanacion, you know that whole thing. <laughs> oh yeah, when he was doing those little songs, I was like, well, that's just him on stage. <laughs> that's all he does anyway. That's not him acting or playing a character. That's for sure. But, which is why it seemed like it was a SNL sketch movie to me. It was like somebody just likes this guy on stage. Someone got the Tenacious D DVD of him being on stage where he just kind of riffs and does weird little sounds and sings those little songs and stuff like that. And I'm a fan. I like his song. But it seems like they just want to build a movie around this guy. And uh, they did. And I'm not saying it didn't work for some people. It's great. But it just didn't work for me. Yeah, now I'll, I'll tell you, some of the humor I find is that it's just so awkward, right? The quirkiness pushed to extremes, to awkward extremes. And that is a, a kind of humor that I like. And I think... You probably know that, you know, growing up with me, um, that that's sort of what I like. And my wife happens to like that as well. And so that's why this is one of her top 10 movies. We've watched this several times, um, not so much in recent years, but, you know, back when we first started dating, like this was one of our kind of go-to movies. Mm. The, the Shining is another one, uh, another another movie that you do not like. But I will say... Okay. <laughs> I'm I glad. Will... I'm glad I'm just shitting all over your favorite movies. This is awesome. <laughs> no, that's great. It's perfect. Um <laughs> I will say that, uh, you know, the scene where uh, he, he's talking about his parents and how his mother was from Scandinavia and her, his dad was a friar in Mexico and they try to convert each other and all this stuff. And he just happens to like pull this picture out. <laughs> oh, that's like his, not, it looks like it was just printed like five minutes beforehand. Yeah. And he just like pulls it out of his uh, friar tuck outfit and shows it to her. And then after she looked at it for a moment, he, he just snatches it out of her hand. Yeah, and that's the kind of um, funny, like, character stuff that isn't in the script. It's it's done by the actors working out the scene where, you know, Jack Black's got time and they go through the, the scene and they work out some, you know, some, some character stuff that they can do. And I like that stuff. Right. And I really is, do it. And that is a crazy lady when we hear a, a cackle off screen. Uh, but I just wanted to, to mention this because you and I, we've known each other for a long time. When True. Jack Black snatches the picture from her and some of his other mannerisms, I feel like 
they remind me of you. And I don't know if maybe you picked up some of the Jack Black mannerisms back in the day, but you sometimes get into this like uh, mode of doing that kind of a thing, a little bit of a snatchy like. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Do, do you recognize this at all, or am I just totally weirding you out? Well, you're not huh? the first person to mention this, um, especially back when I was a little more obese. You know, t- these days I'm looking pretty trim, pretty fit. But back when I was, you know, north of 200, um, people used to say that they, I reminded them of Jack Black. And I don't know exactly what it was. Maybe I look kind of like him, maybe back when he's kind of looking more fit. Because, I don't know, in this movie, they listed him as, what, 5'3", 200 and something? Clearly not what his actual stats are. I mean, he's probably north of 200, I'm sure, but I don't think he's that short. But anyway, yeah, um, I think my mom has mentioned that. Uh, several friends have mentioned that I remember them as Jack Black. I think more so back in the day and less so these days. As I've gotten older and a little bit crustier and crotchetier, um, probably less so. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I get into some weird, you know, kind of funky moods and... I want to just act a little bit quirky and weird, and I think it's fun. I like it. Yeah, so that might be one of the reasons why I like this movie. Ah, you're making me happy. (laughs) All right. So I wanted to mention this because during one of the fights, I think it's with those little devil midgets. uh, They bite. They bite, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, my kids, that's how they fight. That's what they do. (laughs) (laughs) They could be good wrestlers. Yeah. All right. So yeah. They, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna. No, but there's uh, then there was uh, wasn't there the final scene where he's fighting um, Ramsey? There wasn't a referee in the ring, or was there? There was some re- fight where there wasn't a referee. That kind of bugged me. But anyway, not a big deal. What were you gonna say? Uh, there, there was a ref in the Ramsey's one, or at least at the very end, because he pins him out on the tarmac or whatever, and the ref is in there counting. Yeah, I remember that part, but I don't. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Who cares? I'm not going to try and nitpick this movie <laughs> in terms of that. All right, so here's, here's something that might be like an expansive topic. Okay. Uh, Eskeleto is complaining to Nacho after his hair's been torn out a couple of times. He's like, you gave them permission to hurt me like this. Mm. And to me, this brings up the whole, you know, like paying to fight or being paid to fight, being a boxer, wrestler, MMA, whatever. You get two people, two or more people, to agree that they are going to fight each other, injure each other, but it's voluntary. Yeah, yeah, that, that smacks of Escalito not understanding self-ownership. Like, he's, he's basically complaining that Jack Black is somehow in charge of him, and he's just kind of going along for the ride, and he has no, 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 no choice to, to say no, or that Jack Black is violently coercing him into doing this. Which is right, and he true. agreed to go and get into these fights. To get paid, yeah. you know, to earn the money. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you're absolutely right. When you voluntarily, and it bugs me, there's, um, there's been, I don't know if you ever read any kind of MMA publications, but there have been several articles written by, you can tell they're like dumb lefty socialist types, but they're essentially complaining that the UFC is exploitative and that there isn't, they don't do enough for fighter safety or have a fighter retirement fund or Blah, blah, you fill in the socialist, you know, lefty social justice blank, and that's what they say. And this completely undermines the fighters' adulthood, that they need somebody else to come in and be a nanny for them. They're adults, and they can make up their own minds and decide for themselves how much risk they're willing to take to earn the amount of money that they're willing to earn. And to say that the UFC is exploitative and that they don't pay their fighters enough, well, excuse me, but they're... 
voluntarily contracting these fighters to fight for them. If they didn't feel they were being compensated enough or feel that there was enough possibility to be further compensated, then they wouldn't fight. They would go into some other line of work. But yeah, these, the whole idea that they're children and they are not able to decide for themselves what they are and are not or should and should not do and voluntarily associate with is just completely condescending and really insulting. Yeah, it sounds like the NFL and the concussion stuff. Yeah, yeah. You get these, you get these uh, players and other people who are like, the NFL needs to do more to tell people that hitting people in the head can maybe hurt your brain. Are you kidding? Really? This is like a secret? They don't know this? That, <laughs> this is not common knowledge? Are you kidding me? You are voluntarily signing on to earn millions of dollars in exchange for brutally hurting yourself or the risk of brutally harming yourself and potentially harming yourself in the long term. Yeah, and, and hurting others, right? Like you're tackling and you're fighting and you're, you know, in boxing, you're punching people in the face and in wrestling, you're doing a pile drive to the face and punches to the face. Yeah, you know? and then to come along after the fact and go, whoa, 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 Roger Goodell, you didn't tell me that I could have hurt myself when I went in there and played football. You owe me money now. That's a bunch of horseshit. Absolutely ridiculous. What are you, a child? When you, when you were it's a man. Your job, it's your job as an adult to assess risk and to decide for yourself what you're willing and not willing to do. And if you're not sure about something, to learn about a thing before you do it. Go ahead, Daniel. When you're a man. When you're a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room for fun. <laughs> what the hell was that corn thing that Escalito kept eating? Get that corn out of my face. <laughs> what oh, the no. hell was it? It was like corn with like red stuff on it oh you've never had that oh man it is so good there is a um a restaurant in uh new york city called cafe habana and it's this it's roasted corn with butter and like red chili pepper and, and other spices on it it is amazing amazingly huh. delicious and the skeleto loves this stuff gets it all the time and he uses it as a very effective defensive weapon he stabs a guy in the eye with it one time <laughs> oh he throws it at him it's like a throwing star or like a throwing knife but yeah it's it's awesome dude if if you ever have the opportunity if you ever have the means i highly recommend it what what is it called oh man i want to i'll have to look it up but but it's it's like roasted you know over like a fire like barbecue style corn just slathered in like super rich butter like whipped butter and then has all the spices on it okay i'll take your word for it so it's not a sweet thing it's more of like a spicy treat oh yeah yeah yeah, and, and the place I've had it is uh, called Cafe Havana, and that's in uh, in Manhattan. It's, it might may not still be there. That was like 10 years ago. Okay. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. It's bueno. Molto bene. Yeah. Think of my own goodness. Summon your eagle powers. I'll just, I'll just summon my eagle powers. They'll be fine. Those <laughs> eggs were alive, Stephen. They gave me no nutrients. I want to win. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoy it. I mean, you know... You, I'm sure this movie has got like some funny kind of like lines you could quote and stuff, and I know you like to do that. I just wish uh, this movie had hit me harder, and then I would be able to enjoy it more. But that's fine. Let's continue on. You got anything else? Uh, this movie, by the way, jerked no tears for me. Although that nun smoking hot, let me tell you. I knew you would think that. Uh, smoking she, hot. She's your type, man. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, she is. One hundred percent. Encarnacion. I was like, yeah, that's right. Every scene she's in, she's stealing, even though she didn't really have a whole lot to do. Yeah, you know, there is one thing about 
her that bothers me, and it's at the very end when she's like happy for Nacho for winning the match with Ramses, you know, and and it's like you the yeah you did it, and it goes on for way too long, and there's too much like smiling and nodding and thumbs up sing and Jack Black like dancing around in the ring. It it yeah that like, bugged me too. Yeah, it goes like just a bit too far into being corny. Well, I'm surprised you found it corny. Because the whole movie's corny. But I, it bugged me because she was upset with him for wrestling due to the whole fame and glory thing. Right. And uh, that she wanted him, him to be fighting for God. Yeah. But it sure seemed like when he was winning and like jumping up and down and like throwing his hands up in the air and like smiling and waving to the crowd, it sure seemed like a vain thing. That's what I thought she was going to have problems with. But no, it, she was happy and all the kids and little orphans were happy and they all looked like little mini Jack Blacks and... It just all seemed a little bit too saccharine at the end. So. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta agree. Now, what did you think of of her position though? Being like wrestling's a sin, it's ungodly. Being cheered as a false idol, you just want money. I could think and, of a few positions I'd like to have her in. <laughs> but I mean, she's a Catholic nun, right? And and the the current pope, he's a bit of a commie and a bit. says things that are like prophets evil and we need peace in the world, guns. and so we need to disarm everyone forcibly <laughs> using guns. Um, the guy's a moron. I don't. I don't get it. People like look to this guy as some sort of a leader. I, eh. Well, you know, people gotta stay in their lane, right? He's he's not an economist. Yeah, yeah, clearly. But her her you know thinking wrestling is a sin because they fight for vanity. Okay, sure. But fighting for money, learning earning money, they're equating that as an evil thing, and it's actually a very good thing so long as you're doing it in a voluntary fashion, right? You're not doing it in a crony plundering type fashion. Earning money is 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 a wonderful thing. You're pro- you're providing for your fellow man. They're better off. You're better off. It's all good. Yeah, but see, I've never heard that from any religious person. That the reason why earning money is good is that you're providing for your fellow man. You're creating value for your fellow man. I only ever heard that from an economist, and that is kind of surprising. You'd think that that would be right up a religious doctrine's lane, especially Christianity, when they're all about you know be fruitful and multiply and. But then they go against usury, which is just makes no sense. And then they then they talk, and there are passages in the Bible that are all about, you know, Romans, whatever, 13, and I'm not an expert, so, you know, don't hold no. me to it. But Like bow to your masters, listen to your government kind of stuff? Yeah, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, that kind of crap. I'm like, yeah, anyway, I don't, yeah, want it, 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 I don't want to go off on that tangent. No, it makes you want to hate all the orphans in the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, they are. Uh, it is a voluntary charity. Nobody's putting a gun to anybody's head to, to feed these orphans. And I assume, I mean, although the Catholic Church is like the single largest landowner in the world, I don't begrudge them that. That's fine. Although they do, I do think it's dirty and disgusting, personally, as an atheist, and you may disagree, but when they say, well, if you buy this plot in the middle of this church, you'll have this sweet spot and we'll bury you next to all these other people. Oh, by the way, it costs a whole bunch of money, but trust me, this is going to get you into the sweet spot in heaven. That's some pretty shady shit. So I'm not down with that. Yeah, we'll absolve all right. your sins. <laughs> Basically, it's like heaven for sale. Heaven for sale. Get your God. Only 20 grand. Yeah, really? You sound like a charlatan. That's not something I'm, I'm uh, all that familiar with, but I'll take your word for it. Well, I'm not saying that the, the, necessarily the Catholics have done this, although, although there are all kinds of catacombs beneath Rome, so they, I'm sure they did that to a certain extent. But uh, the only thing I can specifically know is for fact is that the, um, I believe it's either the Roman Catholic Church 
I know it's like the Church of London. There are a bunch of people buried um, right there in the grounds. And unless you're like a famous person, you got to like pay extra to get buried there. And I'm not to say that that's not fine. That's like a market thing. Like, hey, we got this certain, we got this limited capacity and, you know, this are the prices. This is like real estate prices. That's fine. But it's the whole idea of, well, the more you pay, the closer you get to God when you die. That's pretty sick. But anyway, it almost let's sounds not, let's like, well, I, I'll say one more thing. It almost sounds like the whole uh, Scientology thing. Like you pay more to get like higher levels of ascension or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You get to get closer and closer to the true knowledge of Zeno and his galactic overlords and whatnot. <laughs> and by that time, you're so invested with, oh, I paid all my money. Every single dollar I've paid, and this is the true story of what happened? Sounds like he just got high one night and tripped on some mushrooms and came up with some bullshit. From, well, what do you expect from a science fiction writer? Hey, take it easy. <laughs> all right, so I have a quote, and I don't know why, but we laugh at this all the time. Ramses is the number one. His legs are number one. His eyes are number one. His muscles are number one. Ramses is number one. Is that it? It's just so ridiculous, you know? Uh, I love it. Uh, well, I want to say that I kind of liked his song that he sang uh, at the party when he was talking about Ramsey's being good. He said something funny. I forget what it was, but I kind of cracked a smile. But, yeah, I don't know. Then there was that what whole you, thing what about you think of the, the, the fat uh, lady chasing over girl. girl. Like, uh, yeah, I didn't like it at all. Yeah. It just seemed insulting. With the secret tunnels. <laughs> yeah, and then she's like fat and I get into the thing and the tunnels and... I that that kind of thing I think has been done better in other movies, but in this movie it just seemed weird and out of place and bad. Didn't like it. And then it, that was it. It didn't, it didn't continue it on in the final final wrestling match where she was there. It almost like they shot the scenes out of out of order or with two different characters or something because she didn't. There wasn't a single time where she like looked suggestively or made any kind of suggestive moves towards the Skeleto in the uh, during the final fight, which is like weird. The last time those two characters saw each other, she was chasing after him. But then she acted like she didn't even know him in the last, at the end. So, anyway. I don't know. Arguing for consistency in this movie, it's like arguing on the internet. Yeah, it's not going to get you very far. And, you know, I swear I've been trying to stop arguing on the internet, but I just had to step in on this uh, conversation the other day. And people yeah. <laughs> people were, me were uh, IMing me, you know, like hours later, like, dude. <laughs> that guy got eviscerated. Like, what did you do to that guy? <laughs> you made him rethink his life. <laughs> well, that's a sham. Oh, man. What was, was, uh, what was the contention? Uh, so there's this uh, meme with Assad, you know, like, what kind of monster would murder their own people? And it's got a picture of Lincoln underneath. Uh, this is dot, dot, dot. And this one guy was trying to defend uh, Lincoln and saying that he didn't murder all those people. It's the traitors of the South that killed their own, their own selves by... Wanting to like, leave the union, right? <laughs> By wanting to not hang out with you guys, I am the monster. Okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah, so, and you know, then he gave me the whole, you know, I've studied history, blah, blah, blah. So then I refuted everything he said and then said, you know, things like, hey, you know, since, since you studied in history, I, I bet you were already aware that seven states had already seceded before Lincoln even took office. And then when he restocked a federal fort in a foreign, now foreign country, which is an act of war, uh, then he increased hostilities and four additional states seceded. Anyway, it was uh, it was an interesting interesting conversation. Um, I my my final my final point was to display a gif of Ed Hockley, the NFL referee. Oh yeah. Describing a penalty, an automatic first down. So I said, uh, 
uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, late hit, penalty, automatic first down, half the distance to the goal. <laughs> anyway. I'm sure, I'm sure it was funny in context, Daniel. It's only funny in context and to my own self. Uh, so, well, I'm glad you destroyed that guy. I mean, hopefully he rethought his life and got some new perspective on what he believed to be true. That would be good. I mean, unfortunately, history is one of those your facts versus their facts kind of argument. And then they'll just kind of disagree. And usually they're like, no, I don't believe in your facts. And they stick to their own facts, you know, which is why I like to stick to principle because, you know, that's kind of irrefutable, although people (laughs) seem to refute it all the time because they just don't seem to see what the principle is. Yeah, they deny it's like, you know, yeah, well, like, it's like these, these, these feminists are, you know, they get really upset when anybody demands, you know, or thinks they have any kind of claim on their body. Like, you don't, you don't have any claim on my body. You can't demand sex. I, I, I have every right to have my own body. And I go, yes, that is correct. But the problem is that you are also a socialist and making claims on other people's bodies. And that is not okay because that is hypocrisy. And they don't get it. Or they don't seem to see the problem. You know, it's good times. Hug, so, hug, kiss, kiss, big hug, kiss, little are you, hug, are you, are you, little <laughs> kiss. It's funnier when you bring them in just weirdly and abstractly and random than they were in the actual movie. It's unfortunate. And I like Jack Black. He's usually a good guy. I just don't think he had the... the you give the guy a good script like in School of Rock, like basically write it for a Jack Black. And that's what the actor, the writer did. He's like, I'm just going to, I know, I see this Jack Black guy. I'm going to write a movie around him. And then they do it right. That's a good Jack Black movie, School of Rock. This movie where they did essentially the same thing didn't work for me. So should we wrap it up or do you got some more stuff? Yeah, we're, we're real close to wrapping it up here, B. Okay, so, buddy. And by the way, my kids say that now. Wrap it up, B. Because we say it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have one last thing I wanted to bring up, and it is the whole aspect of cultural appropriation. It is Cinco de Mayo, and people in recent times get all upset about it, uh, saying it's appropriation and sombreros and drinking, you know, like Pacifico and what's the other one? Corona is like upsetting people, but it's always white liberal people being upset for someone else. You know, it's like by proxy, like surrogate upsetness. Oh, yeah. I'm just wondering, yeah, there was a, is that like white knighting or heroing or something? Yeah, it's pretty much white knighting for an imaginary person. Like you don't even know who you're being upset for. There's no specific person you're being upset for. Just this idea in your head of a bunch of people who are imaginably upset. As if, as if you eating and celebrating Mexican culture is somehow a threat of Mexican culture, when in fact you are celebrating it. I mean, they may be upset that you're like perverting it in some way, like you're changing it, like, you know, like... You eat Mexican food in the United States, it's totally different than Mexican food in Mexico. I, there was a, you remember the story in Portland about the people getting upset that about making burritos? Oh, yeah. That, that was cultural appropriation. And then recently there's the, the, the high school girl in Utah who wore the Chung Sam dress, and then people on Twitter were super furious about her for cultural appropriating when, in fact, she's just celebrating this beautiful dress and... Celebrating Chinese culture. It's. I, yeah, I I don't. I thought it looked great. I mean, I saw the picture and I was like, that dress looks like a nice dress. You know, she's not like making fun of anything or anyone or any culture. She's not like going out of her way to be offensive or be a dick. Right. And even if she was, who who's the victim? What if what if she has been like trying to say fuck you China or whatever? 
what what what's what's the victim? I, I I don't get it. I really don't understand the whole idea. Other, I mean, this is more of this cultural Marxism crap. But um, yeah, I, I, the whole idea of cultural appropriation. You know, I mean, do you, do, the, do the same people get upset when they see a Chinese person wearing blue jeans? I don't think so. Do they see? You know, do they get upset when a Chinese person listens to some American pop song? I don't think so. It's only when a white person does a thing that traditionally is done by non-white people and it's somehow an attack because everything white people do is evil. And there's no nuance on the Internet. So, you know, all context is lost or any nuance or whatever. So somebody sees a thing and they instantly take it the worst possible way you can take a thing and say this person's intent was to demonize and destroy it's so stupid. Or they think that the that the person doing the thing is stupid. And like they just don't realize the harm they're doing. It's like, really? Maybe you are overblowing any harm that's being done because there really is zero. Uh, it's, it's one of the dumber things the left does. And I'm not saying that all the left does. I mean, you know, the vocal minority loony left. But, you know, they do a lot of dumb stuff. So, But, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because uh, this is a, a movie where you might get upset of Jack Black doing some traditionally Mexican stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, but, and I wonder if you could make this movie in today's climate. I mean, it is only like 12 years old now. It doesn't seem that long ago, but it seems also that the vocal minority that says all this crazy shit would be up in arms about something like this coming out now. Yeah, there was a recent Netflix movie um, about with a Jared Leto who was playing. Now, this is the, the setup for the movie, okay? There, he's playing a Westerner. This is the name in the character. This isn't a whitewashing issue, which is in itself bullshit, but not my point here. My point is that this is a, this, the story of a Westerner who goes to Japan and joins the Yakuza because for reasons, and he's got to join the Yakuza and for whatever. But they complained that they cast Jared Leto in the role of a Westerner. Instead, they said, instead, well, you should have just made a movie about the Yakuza without white people in it, because there's traditionally never been a white person. That's what they said. So you're not allowed to make up a scenario. Apparently, they're upset with fiction. You can't do anything that interests you, writer of movie. You got to do what we think you should have done, a.k.a. make another Yakuza movie with all Asian people in the Yakuza roles, because otherwise it's offensive. If you show a white person in the Yakuza, man, it, they make no sense. They really don't. It's, uh, it's bad. But pretty much everything they say is bad. So what are you going to do? Yeah, wasn't there uh, the last samurai that was like Tom Cruise being a samurai? In, was that in Japan or was that in China? Or, yeah, that was, that was in Japan. And then also Karate Kid 2. Daniel goes over to, you know, Japan. I believe it's... Um, Okinawa. Okinawa. Yeah, and he's got and the little, he, uh, uh, the drum, the flippy drum thing. Yeah, and he, and he fights and he beats up a, a Japanese kid. So yeah. that's have probably you, the worst thing ever. Have you seen the Karate Kid, like, uh, uh, YouTube video where it flips and it's, like, showing Danny as the aggressor, as a bully? No. Oh, my Sounds goodness. Good, it is Sounds so really choice. It, it takes the, the, just cuts from the movie, and it, like, um, has a bit of a voiceover, and it just shows him being a dick to Johnny and his gang and like uh, beating him up and kicking him in the face and like uh, dumping water on him, you know, in the bathroom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like two or three minutes long. It's beautiful. You should check it out. I highly recommend it. That sounds choice. Sounds really good. 
<laughs> All right. So since we've now gone through the cultural appropriation thing, which I thought was going to be a, a major topic of this discussion, let's get into the final summary and review. Uh, but right before that, I just wanted to mention that you, you talked about, you know, acts or uh, works of fiction people getting upset about. Uh, Nacho Libre is actually loosely based on an actual wrestler named Friar Storm, who was a real-life Mexican Ooh. Catholic priest who had a 23-year career in Lucha Libre. Oh, that's fun. Uh, well, you want me to go first? Um, okay, so this movie, we usually do the tears jerked portion, but there was zero, zero tears jerked in this movie. And there really wasn't anything they were trying to do, so that's fine. Um, I think this movie was competently made except for the script. I, I think the director, if he didn't actually have anything to do with the writing, um, I think he did a great job. I think he did the most that he could. I think Jack Black did the most he could. He ringed pretty much everything he could out of the role really threw himself into it. This is like peak Jack Black around the, uh, the School of Rock. I think School of Rock was earlier. It was like 2002, 2003. But uh, this was like 2007, right? So um, I don't know if this is like before Kung Fu Panda or after, but this is right around the time when he was really, really killing it. And, you know, this movie obviously hit my uh, co-host harder than it hit me. Uh, I wanted the villain to be really strong. I wanted to be like an ideological opponent you know opposing view a reason why he really hated this guy for some reason instead of him just being like kind of a jerk i wanted the 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 character motivations to be stronger to him to be having me really fighting for something that was really necessary um but we didn't get that uh so for me of course this movie failed and i am going to give it a a four point to daniel all right well I, I just want to say that I appreciate that you suffered through watching this movie at my <laughs> behest. So thank you for that. You got it, buddy. Muchas gracias. Hug, hug, kiss, kiss. Little hug. <laughs> Little kiss. <laughs> so I, I really enjoy this movie because of the quirky humor. It is really well done. I will agree that the story itself doesn't have a whole lot going on in it uh, or not a whole lot of like super strong, you know, emotional ties or, or big reasons why things are happening. But yeah. it's sort of a vehicle to get Jack Black out to do Jack Blackie type things. And there's this, you know, awkward, irreverent, quirky humor that just gets me and, and gets my wife as well. So for whatever reason, like it just hits our funny bone. So it doesn't necessarily need to be like this amazing story or anything like that for me to have fond feelings and, and memories of watching this movie and having a good time. So for me, I also like the, um, there's a little bit of an arc, right? At first, he's this dreamer kid, but then he becomes the cook and he gets disrespected. And then he wants to earn money and, and be famous and do something with his life. And he tries various things. He tries faith. He tries the eagle yoke. Uh, but it's only when he brings those things together and then he gets his incarnacion and the kids show up, he believes in himself and then his powers manifest. And so that kind of brings it all together. Now, of course, it's not like realistic or anything. He does this like eagle soar um, off of the back of the, the turnbuckle into the audience and uh, lands on Ramses and pins him. But, you know, it's uh, a sappy ending kind of a deal. But I, I still enjoy this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it to people. And I'm going to go with like, a, I don't know, like a 7.2 on this. It's not like the best movie ever. Not my top 10. My wife's top 10. And so that's where I'm at with it. Well, that's great. I mean, it's a movie doesn't have to be good for you know for anybody to really enjoy it. If you can find things that just hit you perfectly, then that's that's all we're trying to do in life. <laughs> so that's great. Um, yeah, I'm not asking it to do much. You know, it just makes me laugh, and uh, it doesn't need to be a perfect movie for that. So absolutely. 
the move that Esqueleto does when he brings the letter to Encarnacion saying Nacho's going to be in that fight that night. He hands her the letter all awkwardly and then backs away um, with his hands like behind him. Do you recall this? It's like super weird. Yeah, it was a little out of place. Uh huh. Like very subservient kind of like posturing. So <laughs> my wife and I do that to each other where if I like bring her something or she brings me something, then we walk away that way. You guys are nerds. As a joke. And uh, she, did it, she did it the other day in my office and she like tripped over the, I have this like super wide, you know, screen, screen door thing because it's French doors. So she tripped yeah. into that and like knocked down my screen. <laughs> I've done that myself. That thing's a death trap. Yeah. It's the only way to keep the bugs out, man. I agree. It's the only way to keep the bugs out, but you have to be very careful going through that door. It's like a fucking net. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, I'm trapped. Uh. It's a death trap. Yeah. Swim down. Swim down. Everyone together, swim down. About teamwork. That's right. The collective will save you. Right. Socialism is good. We all know it. So good. So good for you. Good for me. Uh, uh, good for my figure. Well, it is good for your figure. I mean, you're not going to have food, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I need to drop some weight, you know, get my weight down. <laughs> Go visit Venezuela. Why not? Yeah. Oh, that's another angle we could have talked about uh, with wrestlers. You know, they were, they're always trying to get their weight down, get under weight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Very much. And the UFC, too. We talked yeah. about that also. And boxing. Yeah, all of them. All those sports. You always want to be the biggest guy in the ring. you got to look like a skeleton the day before. You get on the weights, and then you eat like 20 meals. Yeah. The night of, well, it's then there's the, the classifications, right? The different like weight classes. Uh-huh. Yeah, you always want to fight in the lowest possible weight class you can. You can safely get to. Because then you'll be the biggest guy. But if everyone's like doing McGregor. it. Everyone's doing it. Oh, everybody's doing it, but some are better at it than others. So you'll get, you know, sometimes you'll get a real mismatch when you're like three or four inches taller than the other guy and you weigh like 15 pounds more because you packed it on the night before and then you can just crush them. That's how you do it. That's how you do it, Daniel. The game everybody plays. And then, and then there's those, and then there's the social justice warriors that are arguing against it, being like, man, you guys shouldn't do this. You should just all agree or blah, 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 and like not let people do this. So you're going to violently force people to not weight cut or something? How are you going to do that? How are you going to police that? I saw you not eating that day. How dare you? Uh, so what show, what movie are we going to do next? What movie are we going to do next? What are our options besides all options? Uh, we've got B movie, which the Seinfeld one, we've talked about doing that one before. Yeah, there's actually a lot to talk about in that one. Uh, the Remember, Iron Giant. There's also that uh, uh, YouTube clip I sent you about B movie that uh, they basically talk about economics and Marxism and stuff like that in, this, in relation to that movie. Okay. We could do a B movie. It's it's a springy thingy, right? Spring time of year. Yeah, there's bees around. All right, let's do it. Okay, B movie it is. We're doing the B movie. Jerry right, next Seinfeld. Week, next week, Jerry Seinfeld and B movie. And there's a, the interesting thing about Jerry Seinfeld is that he doesn't tour colleges anymore because of the PC culture. And you know, Seinfeld's uh, humor is too risque. <laughs> that's that's really saying something. That is a serious indictment on the on shit. Uh, I think that's going to do it for our episode of The Last Nighters. You can find the show notes and more at lastnighters.com slash 18. 
We do have the YouTube channel, and it is growing steadily, so thank you guys for that. Uh, we're not quite to be 100 subscribers, so if you could find us on the YouTube and hit that subscribe button, once we get over 100, we can get a custom URL. We would really appreciate that. Um, so let's do a final message from Robert, and then we will say goodnight. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Last Nighters. Uh, it's been our collective white male privilege talking to you tonight. And uh, if you like this movie or didn't like it or something we got wrong or something we missed, let us know. You can hit us up on social media or you can find us on our Facebooks. And uh, other than that, keep supporting the show any way you can. Donate if you can. And uh, spread the word of liberty and peace and happiness. And I love you all. Thank you very much. And buenas noches from the last nighters. And we'll continue the transmission for a few minutes more on the Actual Anarchy Podcast. This is episode 75. We hope you enjoyed the last nighter's portion. And that is the shareable portion that you can send on to friends and family, uh, amigos, and, and uh, how do you say parents? Is it, uh, man. Abuelas? That's, that's grandparents. Uh, uh, padres. Papai, mama. Yeah, padres. Yeah, there padres. You go. Yeah, here, here we are. Yeah, I, just so everyone knows, Robert's dad is, is or was the uh, my high school Spanish teacher. <laughs> And here we are, you know, 20 some odd years later, struggling to remember how to say parents. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, if you ask me out of the blue, chances are I don't remember a word. But if you can get me in a flow, I can actually still kind of say some things. But it is, it does fade fast if you don't use it. It's true. Yeah, I do find that if I go somewhere where it's a predominant language and I'm there for a while, I do pick up some of it again. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, you and I, we, we spent a little bit of time down in Mexico. And it was a fun, beachy, uh, vacation-y type thing. I uh, really enjoyed it. It was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, buddy, uh, that was a good episode. I don't know. What else? What else is going on? You want to you talk about anything else? Uh, just that we might be doing some changes to the State of the Libertarian Union talk show. We just, we just did the April show, and we had Nick Picone of Sounds Like Liberty and Stephen Clyde of the Peace and Liberty podcast on with you and me, uh, which oh, yeah. was only three shows out of the dozen or more that are represented. And so because of that, um, a lot of the other members are like, oh, you know, we really need to be more frequent. And we have enough people to where not everyone has to show up each time. If it's just three to five people, it, it works out pretty well. So there's talk. There's talk of doing it weekly. Mm-hmm. But we've had a hard time even doing it monthly, though. Yeah, that's exactly my point to Patrick McFarlane of Liberty <laughs> Weekly. He didn't one show really up for the past two, or did he? No, he was... He, was, he made it to the, not the last one, but the one before, but he was only on for a short time. Yes, yeah, he had to go do something else. But anyway, I think it's, it's a noble idea, and um, I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot. I, I don't plan on being on every single week, but, you know, a couple of times a month, sure, why not? So, um, and if, if everyone doesn't know what we're talking about, um, we do uh, a thing called the Libertarian Union, which is a podcast station of over a dozen other shows along with ours, uh, where it's all one spot where people can find anarcho-capitalist libertarian news and articles and our movie reviews and things like that. So you can find out more about that at libertarianunion.com. And then every month uh, we do a roundtable discussion. It's usually an hour or two, and we call it the State of the Libertarian Union talk show. And now what Robert and I were just talking about is it might go weekly, so we'll see. We will see. My money is against it. But if somebody can really take the reins, because, you know, the only way we record this show is when you 
And the only way I've ever been on a show is when you're, you know, recording it through the free conference call or whatever. I don't know. Have I ever, have we ever recorded me without you involved? I don't think I've ever done anything without you. Yeah, I don't think so. Do I, I know it's doable. I mean, people do things without me. <laughs> true. It's true. I have done things without you before, just not, not, not the podcasty stuff. Yeah, I think there are other ways of, of connecting via phone. It's just this one was the low-hanging fruit, and so this is what started working, and I've just kept at it. Because, honestly, I'm, re- I'm resistant to change. I- I'm okay with evolution. Oh. You know, we've talked about, like, making The Last Nighters show uh, a podcast, like, on a podcast feed, and I think it's a good idea. I just haven't done it yet. It's going to take me a little while to, like, get the uh, inertia, the momentum going to get that uh, launched. And that seems to be just like how things work for me in this kind of realm of, of uh, creating content. It's like a solid punch to the face, and a solid elbow drop to the face. A pile drive to the face. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's uh, probably a long enough time for uh, bending everyone's ears. It's been uh, over an hour, I think. So we uh-huh. might do a little bit of Kathleen Turner Overdrive, which is our uh, post-show analysis and further discussion. So if you want a piece of that action, become a Patreon supporter at the $5 level or more. And you can find uh, all the notes and, and other goodies goodies available at actualanarchy.com slash Patreon. Um, but, yeah, and that's uh, the stuff where we really, we really let our hair down and say what we really think. So you shouldn't, shouldn't miss out. Yeah, don't miss out. Don't miss out. It's behind the paywall, everyone. So good. So choice. But I just want to say uh, thank you to my amigo Robert for joining me for this cultural day appropriation episode oh, on yeah. Nacho Libre. It's Veinte uh, Cinco. No, Setenta uh, Cinco, right? Episode 75, actualanarchy.com slash 75. And uh, say buenas noches from uh, Actual Anarchy. Thank you guys very much for joining us. Peace out. Buenas noches todos. Chipmunks. C H I P M U N K. We're the chipmunks. Guaranteed to brighten your day. Do 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 do